Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Hello everybody and welcome to the Letter from Ireland show. You're now listening to series 4, episode 3, Falta Ishtok. Spring is in the air and there's a spring in our step too as the seasons change and it's happening all around us. Living in rural Ireland, you know, we're still, like our ancestors, very tuned into the changing of the seasons. So in today's show, we're going to observe our ancient traditions that are linked to the celebration of this new season. I'm delighted you've joined me as we welcome spring, or as the Celts called it, Embolc, spelt I-M-B-O-L-C. So welcome, Falta, to our show on Embolc. Maybe you'd like to hear about our ancient Celtic calendar, how our ancestors celebrated the turning of the season and the traditions they followed. I'm going to delve into the beautifully illustrated Letter from Ireland, Volume 3, where Mike Collins explains the rich meaning behind our Celtic calendar. And Mike will be in too later to chat with us on a recent Letter from Ireland that he has written about the customs and traditions of our ancestors all associated with spring, our embulk, and he mentions one of our patron saints that's also linked to these stories of spring. You might even discover that you or a family member is named in honour of this saint. I wonder, have you guessed which saint that I speak of? But before we start in today's show, do remember that you can see all the links that we mention in the show notes at a letterfromireland.com forward slash four zero three. Let's kick off our, as we say in Irish, Araigling. So Araigling face into the start with the Celtic calendar of our Irish ancestors. Come with me. Let's walk in their footsteps and experience the year through their eyes. Learn what life was like for them in the Ireland of long ago. To glimpse into our Celtic past, I've opened Mike Collins's Letter from Ireland, Volume 3. This book provides a unique look into the world of the Celts, as he has laid it out in chapters organised around the Celtic calendar. I've turned to the page where he describes the four Celtic festivals to mark the turning of the year. Would you like to know what they're called? Each Celtic festival is also beautifully illustrated too here with its own unique symbol linking to the season. So first up on the Celtic festival to, to mark the turning of the year, the first festival the Celts would have celebrated was Embolc. Now, you know that Embolc is spring. So Embolc falls in the first week of February and it's the Celtic festival to signal the coming of spring. It comes from the old Irish meaning in the belly, connecting us with fertility and new life. The new grasses have just started to grow for the year. Over time, however, this Celtic festival has been replaced with the Christian festival of St. Bridget. That's her name. She's the saint I mentioned earlier that is linked with spring, especially February the 1st, her feast day. Did you guess her name? I know some of our Green Room members, and perhaps some of our listeners too, are called and named after Bridget. Do let us know, because we'd love to hear how you came to get that name. 
Next festival up after Imbolc, we move to the Celtic festival of Bealtaine. Bealtaine, spelt B-E-A-L-T-A-I-N-E, Bealtaine falls in the first week of May and is the Celtic festival to signal the coming of summer. The name is derived from the Old Irish for bright fire. So the time was marked by the lighting of bonfires. And at this time of the year, the animals were moved to their summer pastures. So we then move from Bealtaine and the Celtic calendar to the third festival, Lunasa. Now the Celtic festival of Lunasa was spelled L-U-G-H-N-A-S-A, Lunasa. And it falls in the first week of August and is the Celtic festival to signal the coming of the first harvests. It is named after the god Lug, L-U-G-H, who is believed to have established the festival. It is sometimes now known as the festival of the first fruits. And then we come to the fourth festival on the Celtic calendar, that of Samhain, spelt S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Now Samhain falls on the first week of November and it is the Celtic festival that marks the division between the bright and the dark halves of the year. It is the original inspiration for the modern Halloween and it has also been marked since Christian times by All Saints and All Souls Day. So the four festivals marking the Celtic calendar are Embulk, Bealtaine, Lunasa and Samhain. I hope that's piqued your interest, listeners, and you'd like to dive further into the world of our ancestors and learn some more about the ancient traditions that were linked to the different festivals. And today's show, we are going to do the ancient traditions that are linked to spring and embulk. Lucky for us, that was the subject of Mike's recent letter from Ireland. His letter was called The Dawning of a Celtic Spring, and it focused on these traditions and helped us experience the year through the eyes of our Celtic ancestors. So I asked Mike in to chat with us here on the podcast on Embolloch about his letter, spring and those wonderful Celtic traditions that we still see a glimpse of even today in Ireland. Mike, you're very welcome. Thank you, Corinna. Delighted to be back here to chat with you about this. And, you know, I know many of our listeners and readers of The Letter from Ireland have an interest in our shared uh, Celtic traditions. Uh, was that one of the reasons, maybe, Mike, why your last book, uh, The Letter from Ireland, Volume 3, was really based all around the Celtic calendar? Oh, God, that sounds like a very long kind of official title, Volume 3, doesn't it, Corinna? Because I suppose in some way this particular book should have been called a Celtic Book of Days. Because uh, as before, when we wrote it, we tried to kind of base the letters around different times of the year and so on. And we felt, you know, wouldn't it be nice to kind of both visually and thematically represent the entire book through the Celtic calendar? And that's exactly what we did. So we had an awful lot of fun, actually, as and you remember, because you were a big part of it. I do. And you're holding it in your hand there now. And I, I actually remember you remember us asking our members what cover they'd like for the book that's as well. That's right. Yeah. So and we have, we have this lovely cottage with a nice rainbow and somebody standing out the front, perhaps waiting for somebody to come back home. Very nice. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I guess kind of the answer is yes. It was actually organized around that. And it was a very nice way, of course, of putting kind of the four themes of the entire year together. And, of course, we're actually um, just coming into a particular kind of turn of the year here as we record 
ourselves today. Of course. And Bullock, because I know you've written a letter very recently on their, the Celts and their traditions, especially linking to springtime. We'd like you maybe, if you could, to read the letter for us here today and we could chat about it. What do you think? Be the, delighted to. The dawning of the Celtic spring. Now, the old Irish word imbolc, that's I-M-B-O-L-C, refers to the belly of the U. Um, it's also the name of a Celtic festival that was absor- observed rather across Ireland, Scotland and the Isle of Man in pre-Christian times. Before you go on there, Mike, I must ask, the belly of the U, that's... Uh, a sheep, isn't it? That's right, the female <laughs> sheep. Not you and not me, but the sheep. The yeah, E-W-E. You know, it's one of those things that you could easily be uh, all the various things, but certainly it's a time of fertility. Uh-huh. And you know what? It's actually just marked in a very specific way in Ireland, given the time of year. So it's actually focused on the sheep as opposed to the cow, for example. So it's, um, as I mentioned there, it's the name of a Celtic festival. It was observed across Ireland, Scotland, the Isle of Man in pre-Christian times. Now, our ancestors lived in an agrarian society and the passing of the months and the seasons were observed, celebrated and embedded in the mythology of the time. However, it always amazes me just how practical these rituals and festivals were for the people of the time. You see, around about the first week in February, across the island of Ireland, the first blades of new grass start to appear. And with that, the ewes, as in the female sheep, are ready to begin lambing and the lambs and mothers are moved outside to appropriate lambing pastures. So this was the indication so for the Celts that it was time for moving the animals. Yeah, you know, it wasn't just that, Karina. It was like an end of the dark time of the year. It was the promise of the new season. It was the promise of new production. It was like uh, almost like kind of uh, the chips coming in the bank as well. You know, as in, great, we can count our lambs now. Everything's okay the season is up and going And we've again. survived a dark winter. That's it. Um, so, yeah, um, I suppose kind of the, as I said, basically that the Celtic festival of Imbolc during the first week of February, it marked the turn in the year to the promise of more light, warmer weather and healthy new animals. At the time, the festival was associated with the Celtic goddess of fertility and protection known as Bridget or B-R-I-G-I-T, but over time, she's been replaced with a new Christian patron, handily enough, called St. Bridget of Kildare. But she's the subject of a different story. And I'll remind listeners that I am actually going to chat a little bit about St. Bridget later. She's one of my favourite uh, saints. I'm glad you said that, Corinne. Of course, I'm sure we have lots of Brides, Bridgets, Biddies, Bodelias, etc. Uh, amongst the families of our readers. So it's actually obviously a name that made its way into lots and lots and lots of Irish family trees. Now, Imbolc, or St. Bridget's Day, was a festival celebrating the hearth and home, as well as the early signs of spring. Ashes in the fireplace were raked smooth and checked in the morning for a mark, showing that Bridget had visited. Before going to bed, people would also leave pieces of clothing outside for Bridget to bless. These clothes were then believed to have the powers of healing and protection for the wearer. That's interesting, isn't it? And Mike, I have to uh, let you know that a lot of readers of the letter last Sunday, when you published this letter, uh, wrote back to us and they mentioned the fact that they still keep these old traditions going and they've learned them from their own parents and grandparents. So the tradition has traveled across the sea to America and many different countries. Isn't that amazing, Corinna, you know? Uh, And, you know, I think it's so universal because, of course, you have the idea of the Blessed Virgin Mary as well. And let's say, uh, certainly at least the Roman Catholic tradition, that idea of protection and fertility is a very similar thing that actually made its way, obviously, into kind of Christian traditions. Um, so, yeah, and I suppose basically in Ireland, 
We also had crosses made of woven rushes that were hung over doors, windows and stables to welcome Bridget, but mostly to protect those buildings from fire and lightning, which again, a note of practicality, was a real problem with all those open fireplaces. Of course. There are many traditions, um, variations rather, on these traditions across the parishes of Ireland. Perhaps you had a tradition or two in your own family. And basically, you know, do check out the link below the show notes and let me know on a letter from Ireland.com 403, as Karina usually says. So, over the next two weeks in the large fields in our own parish, which are empty at the moment, we're going to start to see the first lambs appear in groups alongside their protective mothers. And we'll know that the old Celtic festival of Imbolc has arrived in just the same way as it has been observed in this island by our collective ancestors for thousands of years. Well, I know I always get a real spring in my step when I when I see the little lambs out in the fields and it seems so cold for them at this time of the year, but yet it's the natural way of things. That's it. And in fact, the farmers will let you know that the actual cold works really well in terms of actually, you know, infections, keeping infections at bay and so on. So they actually like it quite a lot. So, happy in bulk to you and your families, and it seems appropriate to leave you with St. Bridget's blessing. We'd very much like, Mike, if you'd finish up with the letter now, with that blessing. That would be lovely for, for our listeners. Let's do that. So, may Bridget bless the house wherein you dwell. Bless every fireside, every wall and door. Bless every heart that beats beneath its roof. Bless every hand that toils to bring it joy. Bless every foot that walks its portals through. May Bridget bless the house that shelters you. Well, I'm really glad that you wrote that letter, The Dawning of a Celtic Spring. It's really wonderful to remind us of the traditions that continue on and are still all around us here in the local fields in County Cork, linking right back to our Celtic ancestors. Thank you very much, Mike, for dropping in and for sharing your words of wisdom on the Celts with us as well. Delighted to, Karina. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I suppose we have to recognise that the traditions of our Celtic relations and ancestors, uh, Bridget, coming from the fertility god Bridget, uh, now being Saint Bridget, you can see the transition through the traditions from the Celtic tradition to the Christian tradition. And Bridget is an example of that, but she was a real favourite of mine. She was one of our patron saints here in Ireland, and we loved hearing the stories and legends associated with Bridget of Kildare, especially when we were youngsters at school. As Mike said, she's famously associated with the tradition of making a cross out of rushes, and I have one of those crosses here in my own home. Let me describe it to you. Bridget's cross, or in Irish we call it cross, C-R-O-S for cross, Brida. So cross Brida is a small little cross, usually woven from rushes. So it is a beautiful emerald green in colour. Typically it has four arms tied at the end and a woven square in the middle. These crosses are still being sold on and around February 1st here in Ireland. Why, I saw a girl in Cork City selling them last weekend and she told me her mother and sisters had gathered the rushes as they do every year and made the crosses themselves. So that's where I bought my cross this year and it's now hanging in the kitchen. And so the tradition is alive and well. And as children in school, we were told how Bridget became associated with these crosses Perhaps you'd like to hear the story yourselves, and why don't I share it with you now? Well, fado, fado. Now, that's a great way to start a story in Irish, because fado, fado means long, long ago. So, fado, fado, the legend goes that Bridget was called to the 
bedside of a dying pagan chieftain. She sat by him to keep watch over him in his final hours. And while she was sitting by the dying chieftain, Bridget picked up some rushes from the floor and began to weave them into a cross. The sick man asked her what she was making and Bridget began to explain the story of Jesus to him. Before he died, the chieftain had become a Christian. A St. Bridget's cross is usually made from rushes, but sometimes we see them made now too in straw. It is traditionally believed that the cross protects the home from fire. St. Bridget's crosses are often made on February 1st and then they're sprinkled with holy water. That's the tradition. In other traditions, the cross from the previous year is taken down and burnt and then replaced by a new one. St. Bridget's crosses, they're often kept under the rafters of the roof. So look out for those crosses tucked into the rafters, especially of the old cottages, if you get a chance ever to come and visit here in Ireland. There are many other stories associated with Bridget. One about how she got the land to set up her community in Kildare. And it involved a story about her cloak, but that's a story for another day. As children in school, we hung on every word and we were very fond of all those tales. And we tried our hands at making the crosses too, but we made them out of wool as rushes weren't that always that easy to come by. So listeners, if you're on the lookout for an Irish name for your little girl or your little Colleen, as we say in Irish, especially a girl born in February, you wouldn't go far wrong with Bridget, an Irish name and with a great tradition behind it. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for on today's show and our journey through the Celtic calendar and the celebrations of spring and a bullock comes to the end. If you'd like, you can look at Mike's Letter from Ireland, Volume 3, and enjoy yourself reading the stories of our Celtic ancestors and looking at those wonderful symbols as well for each of the Celtic seasons. I hope you enjoy travelling back to the time of our Celtic ancestors, where now we see that many of our traditions took root. A warm thanks to all our friends in the green room, our readers on the Letter from Ireland, and especially to you listeners for your company on today's Letter from Ireland show. As you watch the signs of spring appear around you this year, I hope you'll remember your Celtic ancestors, their rich traditions, and celebrate this wonderful time of the year as they did. Do feel free to share any stories or traditions of your own that you celebrate at the turning of the seasons. And remember, do let us know if you have any Bridgets in your family. You can let your comments and check out more at a letterfromireland.com forward slash 403. It's your connection, friendship and stories that make it a joy to be part of this great venture we have together exploring our Irish heritage. Sloan, and we look forward to your company again next time on the Letter from Ireland show. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, the Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show, and you can find full details of the Green Room at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Our green room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. 
In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The green room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán gafól, Karina. <laughs>